And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley. Oh, it is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. Dave Wilson joining us from ESPN.com. And Dave, before we get to this fun story, we did have Ron Cooper, coach at Long Island on earlier today. And uh, what a fun guy. And he was really wanting to know where to eat in the area. Wanted to get some barbecue. They're staying in Temple, he said. And uh, he wanted, and I had to give him some places in Belton. So I've, we found ourselves really helping Ron out with um, where to eat in Central Texas. And he had also heard about the gut pack over at VTEX. And that seemed appealing to him. Uh, I assume, Dave, you have had a gut pack at some point in your life. I have had a gut pack, yes. And I've sent others to have it, too. Uh, and they've all survived, but, but we've, uh, we have enjoyed a gut pack or two. <laughs> you can get the baby gut if you're looking, Dave, to, you know, ever, ever looking to go lighter at that position. But uh, the, the, full, the gut pack is a, is a good one. But Ron's up. He's excited, bringing the Long Island Sharks. And, Dave, you may have noticed these Bears – need a win, and uh, it's not gone well, and 0-2 start. There are other 0-2 starts out there, like Tech, but not, not all 0-2 starts are the same. And uh, while they played better, this is, uh, this is not going uh, real well right now. And like anything, you know, everybody's uh, – when you – it's like the in-game experience people are complaining about – the, the, they don't like the music. They don't like the field yells. They don't like anything, right? It's just when you're zero and two and you've lost six games in a row. So, Dave, I mean, it is you. You know, Dave Aranda. I think you're kind of fascinated by him, like a lot of us. But he is really in a tough spot, and he's about to uh, starting Saturday. Kind of needs to start digging his way out of this. Yeah, he's up against it. Um, I think. You know, the the slide at the end of last year uh, was one thing. Um, and then, you know, the um, to have them come out and, uh, you know, lose by 11 to a team they beat uh, handily the year before was kind of shocking. Now, we know Coach Kenny has, has uh, been a good offensive coach. But, you know, I really, talking to Coach Grimes this summer, um, you know, I felt like, sounded like he felt a lot more comfortable with what they had around uh, Blake Shapin. Um, but you know, the line really struggled and that's really a forte for, for coach Grimes. So, mm-hmm. um, it'll be, that'll be something to, to, you know, to sink their teeth into, to figure out how do we get this fixed? Um, you know, he's a guy that has done it a bunch of times. So, you know, you, you think it's going to come together, I, I, but I've been really, I've been really surprised. And then, you know, I mean, they were not supposed to win that game last weekend and then they, to have it come down to, you know, to lose it at the end and then to almost pull it off again and then yeah. lose it. Basically, it felt like, you know, it just felt like the worst possible scenario when everybody was already, you know, hanging their heads. All right. You wrote one of these. I love these SWC stories, Dave. Houston and TCU. Uh, I remember it well. I think that same season, the Bears got caught in one of those Houston traps with um, with Klingler. It may have taken one like sixty-six to twenty-one or sixty-six yeah. to fourteen at the Astrodome. No, it was at. It might have been at. It might have been in Waco because ninety-one, the Bears took care of them at Ast- at the Astrodome with Klingler still the quarterback. But you look back at that TCU and Houston game in nineteen ninety, and it combined for one thousand five hundred sixty-three yards and. 
uh, TCU's quarterback, Vogler, who I don't think a ton of people remember. I remember him from that game. Threw for 690 yards. And Klingler threw for 563. I mean, Dave, one of the funniest ones was like, how many different receivers had 100-yard games? Was it for TCU or Houston? And it was like five. Five different receivers. <laughs> you know, in Houston, I think had two. But but yeah. the other thing is like Chuck Weatherspoon, if you remember him, what a yeah ridiculous like five seven two thirty or whatever bowling ball. Uh, you know, had about one hundred seventy yards rushing. So you know, Klingler Klingler's uh, yardage was nothing to sneeze at, but he could have had a lot more, and he did in many games. Um, but yeah, it was it was a wild one. It stuck with me for years as to like how did. How does a guy like Matt Vogler, who's a transfer from Auburn, um, you know, and not even the starter, come in and throw for 690 yards? And back then, when no one did that, um, you know, I think he broke Scott Mitchell's record at Utah. So that's where that was um, all the way back then. There were very few people, and they all of them that were throwing the ball seemed to be in Utah between BYU and the and the Utes. But um, so it was just really, truly, uh, kind of a shocking outcome and. You know, uh, I asked I asked a couple of coaches, like, how you know how many games do you think it would have taken Vogler to throw for 690 yards in 10 in in, in 1990 Auburn? And they were like, I don't know, 10 maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's wild uh, to think about and see, and and you also you caught up with John Jenkins, who's one of my favorite old SWC characters. John, much like Hal Mummy, you know, once he got fired, he just kind of bounced around, almost never heard from him again. He was in the CFL, like scouting. I mean, some of these guys that have incredible offensive minds, it's crazy. Like, they, they, had, they were successful assistant coaches, uh, then they became head coaches, and then literally they kind of disappear. Um, Mummy's so well known for what he came up with that – the air raid or the, or what kind of what leech then went on to, to call it um, that you still hear how mummy Jenkins is more of a shadowy figure that you don't hear as much about. And I would see John at Cowboys camp scouting for the CFL, but what a character. In fact, this story, this, this picture you posted with he and Klingler, what, are they out at NASA? Is that what's in the background, like one of the shuttles <laughs> yeah. or something? They, I mean, they really embraced any of the any uh, sort of aerospace or fighter jet. You know, I remember the Chronicle special section cover had Klingler in front of a fighter jet. In this picture, they had uh, Jinx and Klingler out at NASA in front of a space shuttle. Um, I mean, they were, you know, it's the one thing about that team, if you remember it, they were just cool. I mean, in every way. They were the first team I remember where the receivers wore, like, gloves, they had armbands. Uh, Chuck Weatherspoon's jersey just said C Spoon on the back. You know, John Brown <laughs> said JB3. I mean, they were like the XFL ahead of the XFL. And But you're right about Jenkins. You know, he kind of became a pariah because in those days, people didn't score 70 points in a game. And, you know, he scored 95 against SMU when they had over 1,000 yards of offense. He threw, you know, Klingler threw 11 touchdowns against Eastern Washington that same year in 1990. And a lot of people just like really didn't like the guy because they thought he was a, uh, you know, running up on people, and um, and he did, and he took great pride in that. But uh, you know, nowadays people don't bat really bat an bat an eye at that. You know, USC threw a touchdown pass against Stanford the other night with 12 seconds left. 
<laughs> so it's like that's just kind of part of the legacy. Um, but in the, the bigger pictures, really, I mean, this was just such a it was such a national curiosity because no one knew what in the world's going on when some guy that we've never heard of just threw for 690 yards and lost by three touchdowns or whatever. <laughs> what when would, when did they beat SMU? 95-21. Was it that same season? No, it was 89. It was the okay. return from the death penalty with Forrest Gregg. Now, true, I've had this. I got this on good account from the uh, party grandson, uh, Peyton, who's uh, co- Wade Phillips' uh, wide receivers coach with the Roughnecks, and they're running the run and shoot down there, so it all <laughs> comes back around. But Peyton, uh, I'd heard this story, and I asked Peyton, you know, in the 95-21 to 21 game, I heard that Jenkins would would hide from Pardee and keep telling him to keep swinging it. And um, and Pardee was, Pardee was friends with Forrest Gregg, uh, who, you know, was the SMU coach. And so he's trying to get him to stop stop running it up. And and, Kling, and they said Jenkins would be hiding from him. And and Klingler, Klingler said, that's true. He said, you know, there was one point where uh, Pardee came out and got Jenkins and I at the same time and said, if either one of you throws the ball again, you're both fired. <laughs> I mean, this story, you know, you could go on and on with stories like these, and it was, I it took a lot of restraint to keep it to where I did, but there's a lot of great stories in there. What what did, what did Pardee, like, what, did he just, did he go back to the pros, or what did Pardee do right after yeah, that? Remember, but, I mean, okay. he went straight, eighty after 89, they averaged 53.5 points a game, 660 yeah. yards or something, which is still a record, and the Oilers hired him across town, and then he went over there with, Brought the running shoot to the NFL with Warren Moon and all those guys. So, I mean, that's the m- most remarkable thing to me is if you think of Jack Pardee, he looked like an old guy for 40 years. Correct. And he, he was a junction boy, played six-man football in Cristobal, Texas, and uh tough old codger, you know. And and he's the guy that brought, you know, unleashed this running shoot in the mainstream. I mean, Miles Davis had done it. Um, but he brought it to Houston, won a Heisman Trophy, coached the first black quarterback to win the Heisman, then went to the pros and did it there. I mean, pretty impressive career for a guy that, uh, you know, had a had a lot stacked against him for a long time. Well, that's six-man football. Who knows? You know, that, that might have made him even more creative, given him that foundation and uh, fascinating stuff. Dave Wilson from ESPN.com joining the Matt Mosley Show. Jenkins, another thing was he was just bizarre. Right, he he's fun to talk to. I've run into him. He's very nice, but like he was the, the famous story was that he was splicing in some porn um, it, when showing team, uh, you know, showing his team film at Houston. I don't know what year that would have been, but and again, I don't he, I don't know if he was assistant or head coach by then. But that was—I what... believe that was '92 when they okay. kind of got run out of there uh, when he was yeah. head coach. Yeah, there were a lot of. You know, they he would uh, drive the guys pretty hard. They were they were known for their practices. You know, in that game, in the 1990 game, Vogler said he you know he was laying in the aisle of the plane with an IV on the way home, and Klingler was like, "What are you talking about? That was easy. Practices were way harder than that. I, we would have played him in a doubleheader." <laughs> so he was known for that. But he is a character. I saw him in the press box at the A&M Arkansas game last year, and he just he he'll always say, "Hey, buddy, how you doing, Hoss?" You know, and. Uh, He's uh he's just like you said the word character. He's a he's a classic character, and I I think you're right. I don't think many people know about him in the grand scheme of things. And the, 
And the other thing is that they all, everybody says, well, Jenkins would never tell anyone how he did what he did. And, and uh, mm-hmm. Klingler admitted that this time, too. So Klingler said he and what a couple other people, maybe Andre, like they're the only Jimmy. ones who know it. Yeah, John, Jinx and Jimmy and uh, David and Andre Ware, are the, he said, we're the only ones that really, truly know exactly the inner workings of what all he did. And, and and Jimmy and David went to Blinn like in 2016, and they were scoring 60 points on people when they were coaching there. So And he said, we just trotted the same old stuff out. still works. Nobody can do anything about it. So it's uh, it's pretty pretty fascinating. But it is, you know, to see that, you know, Sonny Dykes talked about sitting in his, you know, apartment in Lubbock and watching the game and being blown away by it, uh, you know, and then how – I was coaching Holgerson at the time, and he was talking about watching Wacker's coaching show that week to figure out, you know, he knew that Jenkins was throwing it, but he didn't know TCU was throwing it the, the, as much as they were. And uh, and to me, it was just all about this is how football evolves. This is how all this happens. You know, you everyone changes to try to keep up with somebody else, and the trends go and and these things. And, and that was a time – the Southwest Conference was actually a very innovative – Offensive conference. I mean, you could go through one season and play against Arkansas running the wishbone and play against the eye at A&M or Texas and then play the run and shoot at Houston and the veer at TCU. And um, and so it was a really tough conference for defensive players. Didn't the Aggies try with the wrecking crew like eight DBs basically and, and put maybe three – three-man rush and just drop everybody in yeah. to some success so, against the against the Cougars? They did. Um, you know, RC put John Roper at nose tackle and then and then loaded up with uh, DB, speedy guys everywhere else. Now, true story, uh, you know, Jenkins, Andre Ware, and Klingler all told me that RC was really the guy that had the blueprint to stop at him, and they all worried that somebody else was going to figure it out, and they never did. Um but and I asked RC once. I said, "Well, where did you get this idea from?" And he said, "Well, I called Bill Walsh and said, how do you defend this offense?'" And Bill said, "If you either if you put everybody out there and then you either bring everybody or drop everybody on every other play, we won't know what to do. But if you try to blitz us every play, we'll get you. And if you sit back every play, we'll get you." And so he was just trying to create an unpredictable defense. And he told me that he would tell his DBs that when the, when the ball was snapped, it was like rolling a grenade into the backfield, and you better get to the quarterback before it explodes on your teammates back there. <laughs> oh man, that Weatherspoon guy! You're right. What a what a monster he was. And I remember a game, game against Baylor in '89. Like he probably ran for over 200 yards. People think about <laughs> all that passing. He he was a great runner. He could catch the ball out of the backfield, and he was like uh, Robert Newhouse in the fact that he had those enormous legs. He's about five seven or five eight, and he was just impossible to stop. And I don't know if he ever did anything in the NFL, or he might have been too early before they discovered that you could you could do some of those little running backs that might have come later with Sproles. But Weatherspoon was incredible, and then they had like all those receivers you were talking about. Manny, Manny John Brown yeah. the third, Craig Alexander, uh, I mean, just on and on. And they would have platoons of receivers, and you couldn't do anything about it. So they were <laughs> way ahead of their time, you know, and, and they had a perfect setup to have this wide-open passing attack where you thought you had to put all the speed on the field, and then they had an absolute, you know, wrecking house and 
and Spoon who would just run over you. So, you know, when he talked about – Jenkins talked about this game, when they started having to sit back, he said, you know, the front was real mushy is the way he described it because they were putting these small guys up front to try to rush them. And so then they just started feeding Weatherspoon, and then, you know, what do you do? And so, I, you know, they're a fascinating team to me, and it's such it was such a, like, white-hot thing for, like, really two years, and then it was gone. And so – I just, that's an ultimate curiosity and fascination for me of like, why did it, like you said, why did it happen? Why was it so successful? And then why was it gone so quickly? And where did Jenkins go? Um, it's just a really fascinating uh, sort of footnote. You're right. He made everybody so mad he couldn't get hired anymore is maybe part <laughs> of it with his attitude. And then, of course, his reputation for some of the things he did. But, uh, but Holgerson continues on now at Houston, who comes from one of these families like from the air raid family and then of course Sonny dykes i mean that's going to be that's going to be interesting houston licking its wounds i mean that rice thing that really caught me by surprise is that is rice am i do i need to pay more attention to what's going on who is that guy is that guy from uh, stanford or something yeah he was the stanford offensive coordinator when they had bryce love and christian mccaffrey and all those guys he's a you know, he calls it intellectual brutality. You know, so that's what you—that's what you think of when you think of Rice. But no, he's uh, Coach Bloomberg's done a good job. Um, he's got a bunch of you know, Marcus Tuiasosopu is the offensive coordinator. He's got there's a bunch of names down there. The the other McCaffrey um, that was at Michigan as a quarterback is their leading receiver now, and they got JT Daniels who's been at about five schools as their quarterback. He threw for 400 yards against Houston, so it is interesting. And I think Bloomgren has really done a good job there um, with not a lot to work with. And so, but you can't, you know, Dana was already, um, you know, car, uh, popping off this year a little bit about people saying he's on the hot seat. And he told, he told our buddy Sam Khan at the athletic, I'm not, there's no such thing as a hot seat. I got five years left on my contract. They owe me too much money. It just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then you, you just can't go out and lose the Bayou bucket. Mosley, you know that. The Bayou bucket. Have you ever seen it? You know what it looks uh, I've like? seen it. Uh, so last year when when Houston won, Holgerson tweeted a picture of him sitting with the Bayou Bucket out by his pool. And then this year, uh, Bloomgren re- responded with the with the photo and uh, did the same. So I have seen the Bayou Bucket and a little bit of this uh, social media pettiness. You think Dana put anything in the bucket, perhaps? He might have had a couple of old pops <laughs> in there with some... Ice cubes, I don't know. <laughs> By the way, that was G.J. Kenny versus his old high school coach, Jeff Trailer. That's some good Texas high school matchup. UTSA gets the win. Uh, I'm impressed. G.J. Kenny, what they did to the Bears, obviously. Let, but uh, Let's be more specific, Mosley. That's some East Texas high school football. Correct. Correct. And that's deep, the way we like to say it. Of course, the deep, of course they're – both Gilmer Buckeyes, but those Killer Bulldogs beat the Buckeyes this year already, so it's, we're feeling good yeah. up there. Didn't I hear something about Lindell in, in your story? Did you mention? Oh, we had a, yeah, we got a, we got a Lindell reference in there. Stephen Shipley <laughs> catching the catching a few balls from Pat Mahomes over there. Yeah, that Wacker show you mentioned earlier—that was the greatest coaching show ever, and it was like <laughs> nothing was close. I mean, I like the other ones. I watch Yeoman and everybody else, but. Um, I mean, and, and that was just – Wacker was just made for TV. He was hilarious, and he had the unbelievable thing he would say. But, like, Wacker was just – I'm trying to think who's like Wacker now, who's the most like – nobody could ever be Jim Wacker. 
but yeah. he's just he was awesome. He was all, and yeah. they got in trouble, and they had a bunch of stuff happen. But still, well, he turned that, him in. I mean, how crazy is that? He turned in his own team for taking for having a payroll, and then they got hammered on probation despite him being the guy that turned it in. So uh, you know, he's a total. You know, he's a total crazy footnote in the history of Southwest Conference. You know, he rolled into TCU, sent a letter to all the other coaches saying it was time to clean it up. Immediately, they all hated him, you know. Jackie kicked an onside <laughs> kick one time when they were up, while the Aggies were up a bunch on him. Um, and uh, he did not endear himself to the other coaches pretty quickly. But uh, Jenkins was a big fan. He loved him. Um, I think some of those, some of those, uh, you know, against the grain guys liked each other. <laughs> They're the only ones who could stand each other <laughs> the way with some of those personalities and everything. Oh, man. Uh, well, Dave, it's always uh, fun to visit with you. Thanks for taking so much time. And, and, uh, and man, good luck as you uh, get that family everywhere they need to be tonight, okay? All dance, <laughs> practice, church, wherever they might be headed. Have a great evening. All right, man. Appreciate you. You bet. Dave Wilson. ESPN.com and my old colleague from the Dallas Morning News back